Good morning. Hope you're having a fantastic Thursday morning thus far. Welcome once again to the True Gospel Morning Show. Thank you, Giabella, for letting me know. Um, that's the second time that I've done that. Um, and so I got to remember, to I got to actively put that step in my list of things to do. Um, hope that you guys are having a fantastic Thursday morning thus far. Um, and we're certainly grateful and excited um, to give you guys an opportunity to be able to, you know, enrich and enliven your day on today. Uh, we're certainly excited to be among you guys on this morning and hope that you guys are having a fantastic uh, start to your day thus far. Um, if you, don't, if you don't mind, um, you know, sharing the fact that you love the Lord and that he is the reason for your being, drop down in that comment box and let us know how you're feeling about Jesus Christ. Uh, we certainly do thank him for everything that he has done for us. And so, again, we're just so excited uh, to be among you guys today and hope that we are to just give you something that will enrich and enliven your Thursday morning, your Thursday afternoon, your Thursday evening, wherever or however you may be watching from. Um, or what time you may be watching from. Uh, so we're going to start off with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into our word today that is coming out of um, coming out of uh, Proverbs chapter three. Um, and yeah, the ring, the ring in the glasses. Yeah, I, ain't nothing I can do about that. Your boy can't contract it, pink eye, so I can't wear my contacts until next week, and it's making it's frustrating me too. But ain't nothing we can do about it. Um, so you're just gonna have to deal with your boy with the glasses on, because otherwise I can't see worth 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 crap, and so um, so it's messing with me too. But we're gonna get through this in the name of the Lord, because at the end of the day, it's not about what we see, but about what we hear um, that that enriches and enlivens our souls. And so um, just kind of work with me on today. Um, and so again, we're gonna start off with some prayer, and then we're gonna jump into our word from Proverbs chapter three. Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you. For another blessed day in your presence, Lord God, we're thankful that you thought it not robbery to give us this opportunity to be able to come before your throne of grace and just thank you for everything that you have done for us. From the rockings of our cradle to this present time, Lord, we're just so excited and grateful and thankful for life, for health, for strength on today, Lord. We're asking that you... <clears throat> Bless this um, morning show on this day, Lord God, that it be none of us and all of you. Allow us, Lord God, to, you know, to enrich and enliven each other's lives on today, Lord God, through the word that is shared, through the questions that are answered, Lord. We just ask that you just continue just to, to bind our hearts um, um, with more of you, more of your presence, more of your love, more of your grace, more of your forgiveness, more of your thanksgiving, more of your patience, more of your kindness. Lord, allow us to draw nearer to you, Lord God, as we are rem reminded that you have not left us, you haven't forsaken us, you haven't abandoned us, you are always ever present among us. Lord, we thank your son, Jesus Christ, who paved the way for us to uh, to bridge the gap between death and life by dying on the cross and rising again on the third day um, and crediting his righteousness to us. We thank Jesus Christ for all that he has done, all that he has accomplished. And we're asking the Holy Spirit that lives in us to enrich and empower our lives, convict us of our sins, comfort us in spite of our sins, encourage us to get up from the mess and the muck and the mire that we may find ourselves in, and empower us, Lord, to be able to do the things you have called us to do, to be uh, the light that shines in the darkness, to be the, the image bearers that you have called us to be, uh, to be uh, to remember that we are your children, to remember that we are your sons and your daughters, and that we are your friends. Lord God, we're so grateful and give your name all praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. 
Thank you once again for coming coming along board and hope that you guys are having a fantastic day in the name of the Lord thus far. Uh, thank you for the 198 likes that we've gotten just in this short amount of time. And again, just feel free to drop down in the comment box with any questions, comments, or concerns that you may have. Um, and just remember, please, to keep it classy in the comment section. Uh, today, we're going to be answering this question um, to start off our show. Um, how can I learn to expand my trust in the Lord, to surrender to it completely. And from that, I want to draw from the word um, in Proverbs chapter 3, in verses, um, <clears throat> I'm starting at verse 1, and then going all the way down to verse number 8. Proverbs chapter 1, um, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Matter of fact, let me do this real quick. Let me put that in the comment box. Um, Proverbs. 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 3. 1 through 8. All right. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Uh, for many of us in the faith, when we are going through the process of sanctification, we sometimes will forget that God is both the that both empowers salvation and sanctification. Uh, the way that we tend to say it is, "I'm saved now." What? And so, for many of us, the tendency is for us to believe that we now have to work on being a Christian. And we tend to try to become more like Christ in our own power, in our own might, and in our own strength. Our tendency um, is to draw away from the power of God and to lean into the power of self in an attempt to try to be more like Christ. Now, part of the reason why that happens is because we don't really... No, let me... Let me in some churches, not all of them, but in some churches, the our our hearts are the hearts bent of the church that we may be attending, or the preachers and the pastors that we are you know, that that we're that we're you know um, learning from, and they're good people. We're not we're not trying to call them insidious or anything like that. And it's usually a matter of the culture in which the church was brought up. And the culture in which the pastor was brought up, the culture in which the um, the church was, you know, founded upon, and all that stuff. 
but there's no there's no teaching or no training or no practicing of how to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that the Holy Spirit is calling us to be and the things that God is calling us to do. And so once we become saved, once we become a part of the kingdom, once we become a part of the church that or and or become a part of the church that we're attending, we tend to stop at salvation. Like God brings you in and now you're a part of the, 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 the faith or a part of the church. And because of that, we're not taught how to lean into or how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. Instead, it's now a bare knuckle, you know, blue collar, do right, do this stuff, do this stuff, do this stuff, do this stuff. And as a result of that, we turn our faith into a, a, a ladder climbing affair where I'm striving, trying to get to this certain point in my faith walk. And if I don't get there, it must mean that I don't have enough faith in God. And we'll sometimes run our fingers to the ground and, you know, uh, 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 burn our burn the candle on both ends in an attempt to make God like us, in an attempt to make God love us, in an attempt to make God proud of us, in an attempt to be a Christian and try to, uh, you know, amass or accumulate or climb up to this certain pinnacle of what we think a good Christian is supposed to look like. Now, scripture tells us that there are certain standards that we are to uphold. No question about that. There, If we say that we are a part of the kingdom, if we say that we are saved, if we say that we belong to God and God belongs to us, there are certain principles and there are certain practices and there are certain things that we are supposed to begin to model and look like without question. But if we are not tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit, then on the days where we don't look like what a Christian ought to look like, whether it be a cultural thing or a biblical thing, we will sometimes feel as though we don't have enough faith in God or we don't have enough trust in God because we're not looking like or feeling like or acting like what a Christian ought to look, think, and feel like. And so how can I learn to expand my trust in the Lord? The first thing we have to remember and be reminded of daily is that anything that we do cannot be done without the Lord. First and foremost, I can't be the Christian that God calls me to be without the Lord. I can't I can't do it by myself. I can't do it on my own. I can't lean on my own understanding in an attempt to try to be a Christian. I can't do Christianity without Christ. I need the Lord to do this. Once we we sometimes have, again, this idea that once I'm saved, okay, Christ, thank you for saving me. I got it from here. We'll never say it out loud, but our heart's posture is such to where now that Christ has saved us, I got this. And now I'm going out and I'm trying to be 
a Christian. I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And again, in our feeble, finite ways of being, we can't get it right. We don't get it right most of the time. And we end up doubting God and doubting our walk with him and doubting our love for him. And so again, our heart's posture has to first be, I cannot do anything without the Lord. I need the Lord both for salvation and sanctification. Sanctification does not happen on our own. It happens in the Lord. As we, as he is abiding in us, we abide in him. And sanctification being molded and shaped into his image happens with the Lord. That's first and foremost. Secondly, when we don't have when we don't have trust when we don't have trust in the Lord when we're not trusting in Him um, as we should, what we are saying in our hearts' posture is that we are failing to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The thing I love about Christianity, the thing I love about Christ, and the reason why I love Him more than anything else in this world is because unlike other faiths, unlike other religions. Unlike other gods, unlike anything that I may put above God, I'm all, you know, I'm not having to climb this ladder to be something. Christ already declares me something by his finished work. When God, when Christ got on the cross and died for our sins, he said, it is finished. And when he credits his righteousness to us, he is saying, it is done. He's not saying you are becoming like me. He says you are like me. I'm given an identity long before I start living out my identity. I am saved, not I am being saved. Even though sanctification is the being saved process, but Christ already declares me saved. Remember, when we talk about spiritual alignment, we are already saved, delivered, set free, a child of God, an image bearer, beloved, an heir of God, joint heir with Christ, a disciple. We are already all of these things. And so sanctification is simply aligning us one day, one moment at a time. To become more and more aligned with who we already are. In our souls, we already are this. But sanctification is coming along and aligning us. Now, will we ever reach perfection? Not until Jesus comes back. But every day, we are getting closer and closer to alignment in the comfort of knowing that my identity is secure. Your identity in Jesus is secure. When Christ died and rose again, if you believe in Christ, that he is the son of God and that God raised him from the dead, your identity in him is secure. Our problem as Christians is that we don't believe that our identity is secure in Christ. We believe that our identity is something that we have to ascribe, that we have to climb to get to, that we got to reach a certain point of success. We got to reach a certain point in order to be the Christian or the saved or the disciple that we think Christ wants us to be or even what Christ prescribes in scripture. 
We think that we've got to climb to that space in order to be what Christ has called us to be. But Christ is saying, you are already that. If you believe in me, you are already you. It's it's almost like it's almost like when we become employed um, 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 on our jobs. You know how sometimes our jobs will give us a 90 day grace period before the benefits kick in. You have some jobs that are like your benefits start on day one. Now, those jobs are very rare, but they exist. And that's the type of relationship that we have with God. He's not waiting on a grace period to decide whether or not you now get to carry the badge and carry the title and carry the benefits. No, on day one, you get the title, you get the you get the the, the identity, and you get the benefits of being a Christian. You get all of that on day one. That's the God that we serve. He's not waiting to see whether or not you're going to measure up and then give you the benefits. No. All of the benefits and all of the identity and all of those, those things are ours eternally through the finished work of Jesus. And we, the believers, we got to believe that. That's where we, that's where we, that's primarily where we fall short. We start to forget that of who we are in Christ. We think that we got to do something to be a part of the kingdom, but we don't have to do anything we are a part of the kingdom. We are saved. We are delivered. We are set free. We are um, image bearers. We are disciples. We are his beloved. We are his friends. We are his sons. We are his daughters. We, we're not working to become these things. We are these things. And that should empower us by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us to then live out who we are. That is where our power comes from. It comes from Christ and knowing who we are in him. It doesn't come by us bare knuckling it, trying to become something that we already are. We are in Christ and in Christ we have everything we are everything that Christ calls us to be. We are those things. Now, with that in view, with that lens in view, we are now being empowered by the Holy Spirit to now do the things that God has prescribed in his word to do. And again, we're not trying to climb to get to a certain pinnacle as if the pinnacle is the barometer by which our, our calling is being measured. We are all called into a great into a great relationship with the Lord. That is our calling, to walk in Him, to glory in Him, to glorify Him, to make disciples. That is our calling. No matter what field you find yourself in, whether it's the pulpit or whether it's um, Wall Street, you are called to glorify God and make disciples. Whether you are a CEO of a company or you're a janitor pushing the broom, you are called to give God glory and make disciples. Whether you, you know, are working in corporate America or whether you are a stay-at-home mom or dad, you are called to glorify God and make disciples right where you at. And so, again, we, it's not about becoming a great pastor or becoming a great theologian. It's just about being a, being, a, being a child of God, glorifying God and making disciples. So, how do we, again, 
trust in the Lord completely. We got to start small. We got to start small. Instead of trying to trust God all the way up here, because again, our alignment is, we're way over here. Way over here. Our, we are eternally secure, but our alignment usually starts way over here. And we are slowly, from one degree of glory to the next, becoming more and more like Christ. So we got to trust God with the small stuff. Trust him with the small stuff. I'll give you a prime example. Sometimes, you know, we're driving along on the street, you know, and somebody cuts us off, gives us the bird. That can, some, that can trigger some of us. In that moment, in that space, if we are the children of God, we can lean into the power of the Holy Spirit. And in leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit, instead of going ham, pushing on the accelerator, oh, I'm going to show him how dare he cut me off. Instead, you know what? That really That's really frustrating me right now, but it's all good. God, you got that. It seems small and insignificant. But imagine the peace that we can have if when someone cuts us off in the middle of the street, instead of being mad that they cut us off, God, thank you for protecting this car. God, thank you for protecting me. God, thank you for protecting that person, even in their, you know, idiocy. Thank you for protecting them. Thank you for protecting all the cars around us because it could have been, it could have gone a whole lot worse. God, just allow me to just keep, keep my, keep a good distance away. So that way they can get to where they're going. I can get to where I'm going. I don't know why they cut me off. You know, they might not have been the devil. Might have been somebody trying to rush to get somewhere. Don't know. But God, pray. we're praying for them. Pray for my protection. Pray for their protection. It's small. And it's insignificant in the grand scheme of things. But nothing is insignificant in the hands of God. Everything matters. And when we start to trust him with the small things and walk in the peace that he has given us that is ours for the taking and comes in a, in a lavish supply, then we begin to trust him more and more each and every day with more of the big things. If we trust him with the small things, it becomes easier for us to trust him with the big things. Not because we're looking for a series of successes of if he did it before he can do it again, but we trust in the word. That tells us that God, even if you don't do what I want you to do, I know that you can because I've seen you do it before, not just in scripture, but in my own life. And so I'm leaning and trusting and depending on you for all things. And I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I trust in the Lord with all my heart and I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I acknowledge you in all your ways and in all my ways. And I know that you're making my path straight. So I'm not wise in my own eyes. I will fear the Lord. I will turn away from evil because I know that that is healing to my flesh and refreshment to my bones. When, as an aside, when we start, we're literally tapping into the word of God and praying these scriptures we find our strength and power in the word. Just like with this with this scripture, you know, this isn't me twisting it or anything in that nature, but it's me literally praying what the scriptures say. So I'm praying to trust in the Lord with all my heart. And I'm not leaning on my own understanding. 
in all my ways, I'm acknowledging him, knowing that he will make my path straight. I'm not going to be wise in my own eyes. I'm going to fear the Lord. I'm going to turn away from evil, for I know that it will be healing to my flesh and refreshment to my bones. Now, again, the word doesn't read like that, but that is the prayer that I'm praying in light of the word for myself. And that's what we do. We, by the power of the words and the scriptures that God has given us, we pray these scriptures. We pray because there's life in the scriptures for the life is pointing us to the Savior. And as it points us to the Savior, we now can use these, these the, the, use the word to empower us. The Holy Spirit can use these words to empower our souls and to get us from one day to the next. So again, I'm saying all that to say we have to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit, lean into God's understanding and not our own understanding. Lean into his strength, lean into his power, lean into his might. Recognize our weaknesses, recognize our weak areas, recognize the, the parts of us that really need, you know, strengthening and encouraging, but not as, in, as a means of I need to get into the gym and exercise on my own. No, I need the Lord. I need the Lord. I need the Lord not only to be my spotter, but I need him to help me carry his weight. You know, as I'm becoming, if I'm becoming stronger in him, he's carrying that weight every single time that I'm not leaning on myself. I'm not waiting at some point for like, okay, God, I got it. And now I'm going to go do my thing. No, I'm every day. God, come, come, please help me. Please, please help me. I can't do this by myself. And God knows that he empowers us and encourages us and strengthens us to tap into the power of God in our lives. He is there for us. He said he will never leave us nor forsake us. He gives us a Holy Spirit that rules, rests and abides in us to do the things that he is calling us to do. He knew that we couldn't do this on our own. He knew that we couldn't do this by ourselves. He knew that we would not be able to do anything that he's calling us to do without him. So let's not do this without him. Let's do what we're called to do with him. Let's lean into him. Let's tap into him. We're not doing this on our own. We're not doing this by ourselves. We're, this is not this is not an, a, an effort that now that God, now that, you know, we are Christians, that now we're just left to our own devices. No, God is the one who saves and he is the one who sustains. We can do nothing without the Lord. We can't save ourselves. We can't sanctify ourselves without the Lord. And so again, I say all that to say to us today, how do we begin to tr learn to surrender and trust him completely? Trust him with the small stuff. Trust him with the small stuff. You know, it's, it's, difficult, it's difficult for us as believers to trust in God at times. But if we trust in him with the small things, then it becomes easier to remember who he is and what he has accomplished for us in the difficult times and in the bit with the big stuff. And regardless of where we find ourselves, we all will always be able to say, Lord, I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in you. Hey, I don't know why. I don't know how you're going to make this happen. I don't know how you're going to make this work. But I'm trusting in you. I'm relying on you. I'm leaning on you. I'm depending on you to empower me to get through this situation 
in in whatever form or fashion that you choose so that you know so that I can you know so that your will can be done in my life um we have to remember that nothing in this life is wasted everything God is using to glorify himself and to make us more like him so even in the darkest of nights even in the darkest of situations God is using whatever is going on in our lives to make us more like him, to shape us and mold us into becoming more and more like him. And if we can trust in his word that he is molding and shaping us into the image of his son from one degree of glory to the next, then we can trust that no matter what situation or circumstance we find ourselves in, he is using it all for his glory and to make us more like him. Um, as we await the glorious day when he comes back to get us and makes up uh, and makes us um, truly who we are meant to be. Again, even that is God's word. That ain't even our word. You know, he's going to make us like him. Um, you know, when he eradicates this world of sin and eradicates this world of darkness, eradicates this world of anything that's not like him. That's all his work. That is all his work. And so we can trust in the name of the Lord and trust that he's got, a, he's got our backs no matter what. The work that he has started in us, he is faithful and just to complete it. And so, yeah, man, you're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're certainly thankful for each and every one of you who are giving us this opportunity to be able to um, you know, be on the live with y'all today and hope that we are able to give you guys something um, that can help to enrich and encourage your souls. Thank you for the 237 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you for the follows. Thank you for the shares. Um, any gifts that you give um, to this live goes straight to the True Gospel Ministry. I do not, I'm not doing this for money. Uh, make my own money, got my own job, pay my own bills. So you are not paying me. I'm not like one of these NPCs out here that's trying to get y'all to give me lightning bolts so I can act like I got shocked or something um, so that you can give me more money. That's not what I'm here to do. Um, so I'm grateful that you're spending time with your boy to be able to, you know, spit truth, knowledge, and wisdom to you guys and hope that I'm giving you guys a um, um, to the, for the unbeliever, um, giving you a front row seat to the conversations uh, that we as believers are having um, so that you can know um, at least have a, an inside scope of what it is that we as the believers do from one day to the next um, as we are encouraging one another in the name of the Lord. All right, let's jump into these comments and see what's going on down in the comment box. Um, let's see. Um... Agro Aaron asked the question, do I support Christian nationalism? I answered that question earlier this week, uh, so we're not going to answer that question again. Um, uh, Bryson said, right, we can't be God, but we must be of his likeness. I, th I think we covered that just now. Um, let's see. I am Brimbish. Um, 
Said just got out of prison to pray for him. 100%, we got your back. I'm going to write your name down and we're going to be praying for you today. Definitely grateful that you're out of prison now. Um, Abba says, what's the difference between comic books and Bible? It's all fantasy. All right. Um, could be a pre-recorded video for stream. No, we're definitely live. Um, as um, you will discover if you keep watching me. Um, I don't go into the comment section until after I'm finished talking because I don't want to get distracted by um, any of the comments that are going on in the comment box. Um, um, let's see. Pre. Okay. All right. So nothing really going on in the comment box um, thus far. So again, if you do have any questions or comments, feel free again to um, drop down in the comment box below with any questions or comments that you might have. Um, again, it's certainly grateful that you guys are giving me the opportunity to be able to um, be on the live with you guys on this morning. <clears throat> um, someone asked a question yesterday. Um, can God's can God's purpose solely be to make someone suffer? Um, so we have to remember as believers, as believers. Um, so again, as a disclaimer, if you are not a believer, this is not going to make any sense. Um, but even for believers, sometimes this don't make sense. But definitely if you're an unbeliever, this isn't going to make any sense. Uh, I can already hear, well, if God is so good, why this, why that, blah, blah, blah. So again, if you are not a believer, you are not going to understand anything that's coming out of my mouth right now. Um, so, so just that, that, that that's the disclaimer. Um, but how can God's purpose solely be to make someone suffer? God does not intend for anyone to suffer. That is not God's original intention of creating us. Um, his, he, he, that is not, he, he's not the God, um, who wishes for anyone to go through any type of suffering or pain or anything of that nature. Nevertheless, sin has entered into the universe by our ancestors, Adam and Eve. And as a result, sin fractured the universe. Nothing in this world is operating the way that it was originally intended and designed to be in terms of its function and its perfection. Um, we'll never see what this world, who we, the trees, none of it is supposed to be until Jesus comes back. There are some beautiful things in this world without question. But nothing in this world is operating in its perfection the way that it's intended to. Everything is operating in, you know, as close to perfection as going to get in terms of how this world works. But we'll never get to see the perfection of God operating in all things until Jesus comes back. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 8, um, Paul speaks on this.
when he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, talking about Adam, um, in hopes that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait with eager long with e we, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. I almost slipped in the King James for a minute. The redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And so what God is saying to us through the words of Paul in, in the book of Romans is that all of creation is waiting for God to make this world brand new. Everything is waiting. Like the trees, the, the mountains, the sky, the clouds, the grass, the animals, um, the, the oceans, the, water, the, the creatures in the ocean. Everything is waiting for God to take this world back to the way it used to be and infinity percent better. Like, again, everything in the world is waiting to be perfected. Again, there's some magnificent things in the world. No question about it. But none of these things are operating in the way that God originally designed them to in both function and perfection. And so everything is waiting on God. Everything is waiting on God, including us. So when we suffer and when we go through things, it is not God's intent. It's not his original design for us to suffer and go through things. But because we live in a broken world, where broken things happen to broken people, we sometimes will go through a, we'll go through seasons of suffering. Sometimes that season may stretch a month. Sometimes that may season stretch that season may stretch a year. Sometimes that season may stretch a decade. We don't know, but all we know is that it's not God's original intention. It's not God's original design. It's not in God's original plan um, it, as it pertains to creation for us to suffer and go through things. But, we, but because we live in a broken world where broken people and, uh, do broken things and broken things happen to broken people, we will suffer. And scripture tells us this. Because of sin, we will suffer. Because of sin, we will go through trials. Because of sin, we will go through tribulation. Because of sin, we will go through heartache. Because of sin, we will go through pain. Because of sin, we will go through tough times. We can't escape that. We cannot escape that. That's why, um, you know, uh, Peter says to count it all joy when we go through diverse temptations. I think it's either, it's either Peter or James. I can't remember. Um, but one of them said that. That's why it says we we you know we part we are partakers of the fellowship of the suffering of Christ. 
We suffer in here. We suffer in his likeness. You know, he talks about the suffering of the present time not being worth not being uh, worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Uh, Paul tells us in Second Corinthians, this light momentary affliction is producing a salvation in us. Um, he tells us in the book of Romans that the sufferings that we go through produce um, patience, and patience uh, produces you know um, produces hope. Like we're going to go through suffering. We're going to go through trials. We're going to go through tribulations. Part of the reason why we sometimes feel like we shouldn't go through anything is because we've been giving a faulty gospel, a faulty gospel that tells us that now that we're in the kingdom, all of our dreams are supposed to come true. All everything that we could ever want is supposed to come just become magically to us. We don't have to work, we don't have to toil, we don't have to labor, we don't have to go through anything. We can just get whatever it is that we want by the by, because we're in the kingdom. And so I'm supposed to just sit back, rub God like a genie, and say, hey, give me stuff, give me stuff, give me stuff. But that's not how our, that's not faith. And that's not the faith that our brothers and sisters had, even in the Bible. Like, Paul, Peter, James, John, Stephen, um, Jude, none of those boys had the lavish lifestyle that we think that we're supposed to have in American Christianity today. None of them had that lifestyle. All of them suffered mightily in the flesh. But they did but in some and most of them died, you know, for the faith. But their suffering they knew was it paled in comparison to what they were being ushered into in the light in life with Jesus both now and eternally. And so we have been given a faulty doctrine from people who have ripped apart scriptures, said their favorite Bible verses, that God's going to do a new thing in you, not realizing that when he says that in, in the book of uh, whatever book that, that's, that it's in, he ain't talking about doing a new thing in us. He's talking about trying to do a new thing to try to bring the people out of exile. He ain't saying that about us. It's not about us now talking about doing a new thing that we've never seen before. That's not what it's referring to. When it says eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, the very next verse says these things have been revealed in the spirit. It ain't talking about our wildest imaginations. It's talking about a hidden wisdom from God about who he is, his character and his nature and the things about him and the things that we then go preach to people who um, who. God has to do the work of opening their hearts and minds in order for them to understand the wisdom that he's given to us that, he, that we're trying to give to them. But again, when we rip those scriptures up and we make it seem as though, yo, God's, all my dreams are supposed to come true now. When we go through stuff, no matter how long or short that season of suffering is, we think God must not love me. God just must want me to suffer. God may, must just want me to go through. And it's like, no, God doesn't want you to go through anything. But we live in a broken world where broken people do broken things and broken things happen to broken people. And as a result, sometimes we're going to go through seasons of suffering. But the suffering is not because God is mad or that God is evil or that God, you know, doesn't love you. God's, God's going to use that suffering to get you closer to him. Because the end game is not a life of ease. As we said before, the good life is not an easy life. We want the good life, but we want the good life to be an easy life. The easy ain't good. Good sometimes requires some suffering in this life. 
Because we're not living for this life. We're living for the life to come. Ease is in the life to come. Comfort, real comfort, is in the life to come. We'll have easy days. Absolutely. We should have good days. Absolutely. In this life. But that, that doesn't, that's not promised to us. No, we are promised that we will have trials. We are promised that we will have tribulation. We are promised that we will have suffering. But we are not promised ease. Always. We're not, we're not promised comfort. Always. We're promised that we have the comforter that lives inside of us that reminds us that we have peace in our souls. The peace that surpasses all understanding. So we can have peace in our souls. I can say that it is well with my soul. I can be going through the, the toughest of times in my life, but it is well with my soul. Like I, it, Life sucks right now, but it is well with my soul. I'm going through some stuff right now, but it's well with my soul. I may not be where I want to be in my life right now, but it is well with my soul. Like my, it's, it's, it's about the soul. It's the soul at peace. And again, we want so badly for peace to be about our circumstances. We want to be loved. We want to be all these different things. We want to be successful. We want to have money. We want to sit comfortably. We got to stop living life as if we're trying to live like the highlight reels of our Instagrams and Facebooks and, and, and X's and, and, um, and TikToks. Like, you know, I tell people, I tell y'all all the time, what y'all see here, you know, in, in the, on, this, on these screens, this is pretty us. Sometimes, you know, you know, I, I get raw with y'all about me and my stuff, you know, as much as I can, as much as I can help it, you know, but, you know, we, we, we always looking at the pretty stuff of people. We're not seeing the tough stuff most of the time. You know, we see the people that get on, um, get on the, um, the, 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 um, the, the podcasts, you know, the women, they're all dolled up, pretty, got their hair done, got their makeup done and all that stuff. And they talking about the, we're delighting in the Lord. And yeah, we're going through hard times, but we're delighting in the Lord. We want the highlight reel of faith. We don't want real faith. We want pretty faith. Faith is ugly sometimes. Faith is grimy sometimes. Faith is dirty sometimes. Faith is filthy sometimes. Sometimes we are really in the trenches in the faith. But it doesn't mean our souls have to be at odds with God or even within ourselves. We can say it is well with our souls, even if it's the dark night of the soul. That it, can, it doesn't have to be an, an either or. I can have peace in my soul and there's a whole bunch of chaos going on in my life right now. That trust in the Lord that we're referring to, I can have peace in my soul. And trust God that this situation will resolve itself in some way, shape, or form that's going to honor and glorify him. Even if this situation is bringing me so much grief, so much pain, so much heartache, so many issues. We, the believers in God, have to remember and recall that God's intent is not for us to suffer. But we are promised that we will have suffering because we live in a broken world. And in this broken world, broken things happen to broken people. And broken people do broken things. And as a result, there will be trial. There will be tribulation. There will be suffering. You know, and can we call a spade a spade? 
I know that some of us are going through things right now, and I don't trivialize that one bit. Some of us are going through a whole lot of stuff, stuff that we can't even imagine. You know, other people, you know, other people, let alone ourselves, going through. But the suffering that we're going through in this life, then again, this is not to trivialize anything that any of us are going through. It really does pale in comparison to some of the suffering that our brothers and sisters of old dealt with. Being persecuted literally for their faith. Like, we, we, we think that people are talking about us on, on Twitter and talking about us on um, TikTok about, you know, God ain't real, stop believing in God. Or, you know, I can't believe that you, you hate, you know, gays and all this other type of stuff because you believe in God. We, we feel like that's persecution. That is not persecution. That is not persecution. Persecution is when they're locking you and chaining you up in jail and prison for believing. Wanting to literally kill, want to literally kill you because of your faith. You want to talk about persecution, go to China and believe in Jesus and see what that gets you. Go to some of these other countries where if you're believing in Jesus, they will execute you on the spot. That's, that's persecution. That's real persecution. And a lot of us, you know, again, I'm not trivializing anything that we've got going on in our lives, but a lot of us, we have never suffered persecution. Never dealt with persecution for the faith. Never. And so again, you know, we we got to recall and remember that, yes, we are going to go through some things without question, but it's not God's intent for us to go through stuff. But he says in the word that we are promised tribulation and promised trial, and that promise is linked to the fact that we live in a broken world where broken things happen to broken people. And broken people do broken things. And so rather than get caught up in thinking that, you know, I don't understand why God will allow me to go through tough times, recognize that, you know, everything that we go through in this life, matter of fact, I'm going to let Paul speak for himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Where are your eyes? What are they fixed on? Because a lot of times when we're going through our trials and our tribulations and we feel like, oh, I shouldn't be going through this or, oh, this hurts or, oh, this sucks to the point where we're starting to doubt God, it's because we took our eyes off of him. We took our eyes off God. No, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. We're going to be like, yay, I'm suffering. No, that's not, I'm not saying that. But when it says to count it all joy, it's talking to us in the spirit saying, I'm looking forward to a day when Christ comes back and gets us, where he purges this world of all evil and all darkness and all sin and all shame. And when he brings us into this new world, I'm going to be able to live in a peace that I've never experienced before in my life. 
I have glimpses of it today in my soul, but I'm going to be able to live in it physically for eternity with the Lord. And so anything that I go through in this life is a light momentary affliction when it compared to the eternal weight of glory that is waiting for me in the life to come. So I take my eyes off this world. All this stuff that's going on in my life right now, yeah, it sucks. And may God empower me to try to change my circumstances to make them better. You know, praying for strength. I'm praying for encouragement. I'm praying for the plans. I'm praying for the will. I'm praying for the strength. But I'm recognizing that even if God doesn't work this situation out the way that I want him to, this is a light momentary affliction. A light momentary affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory that is waiting for me in the life to come. And that's why I can have joy. That's why I can have peace. That's why I can be content. I may not be happy, but I'm content. I'm at peace and I have joy because something greater is waiting for me on the other side of victory. And if we can get, if we can, if, um, um, if I can endure to the end, then I can with confidence say, I shall be saved. If I can endure to the end, then I can trust that I shall be saved. For Christ said in his word, if you endure to the end, you can trust with confidence that you shall be saved. We are already saved. So now we just endure. We're all, we already won. So now we just endure. So again, I, I encourage all of us today, don't look at your suffering and don't look at what you're going through as if God is angry with you or God is trying to, you know, beat you or that God is trying to, you know, to, to, to punish you. If you are a believer, the punishment's already been taken care of on the cross. So God is not punishing you. God is not beating you down. God is not, you know, he's not, he's not being an angry God at you. All of that wrath was taken care of on the cross. So you can trust and believe that in this life, we have suffering, but only because we live in a sinful world, in a broken world where broken people do broken things and broken things happen to pe to broken people. And because of that, God can use and he will use any and all of our circumstances so that he can be glorified through our situations and through our circumstances. So don't lose heart. Do not lose heart. As Paul says in the word, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self, the most important part of us, our souls, are being renewed day by day. This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Um, yeah. Amen. Thank you for watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. We're with y'all 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Monday through Friday Eastern Standard Time. Um, grateful for the 2,500 likes that we have received. Y'all been on it. 
um today and i really do appreciate you guys for those um for those likes um thank you so so much i really do appreciate y'all um for being on the live with us today uh, i'm gonna jump down in this comment box and see what's going on got <clears throat> um 30 new comments in here Let's see what's going on um connectivity connectivity told me that was james that said it okay i appreciate you i appreciate you for that um to the time is now not tomorrow um i see you've been hitting that um that like button really do appreciate you for that um charlene williams is in the box good morning to you um prophetess layla rookie sky hey how you doing hope you're doing well um, um it's hamilton um said i feel like god used you to let me know i'm on the right track and all will be well with me thanks you are very welcome to god be the glory i'm glad that you came online and grace and grateful that you came on um persecution is worshiping a false god out of fear uh let me write that down real quickly persecution is worshiping a false god out of fear okay don't know exactly what you're talking about regarding that but um you know we're gonna be praying to god for you in that regard uh prophetess is um is is hitting that is um is all up in this piece today definitely gonna give you um well hold on one second i'm gonna give you a follow today hope that you're doing well this morning hope that you're doing well this morning um but so so taz says this Persecution is worshiping a false god out of fear. Um, not quite sure what you mean by that, but I'm going to take a stab at it anyway. Um, um, that is not what persecution represents in our in our word, um, according to the scriptures. Um, we, we're not, we, our persecution is not about worshiping a false god out of fear. I don't know where um, you're getting that from, um, but persecution is whenever... You know, we are, you know, worshiping the true and living God. And for whatever reason, the culture um, disagrees with that. And as a result, want to, you know, push us away from the true and living God by hurting us and scaring us out of worshiping God. Um, all throughout the scriptures and all throughout history, we've seen this repeatedly that whenever we're worshiping the true and living God, it is going to cause people to act a certain way and feel a certain way. And anytime that we're brushing up against the governmental powers and in um, brushing up against them, we're causing some type of disruption to the powers that be. That's when persecution usually arises Um, the type of persecution we're talking about. Um, um, and so there's this instance in the word when, um, and I don't know if I'll be able to find it, um, right away. Let me see. Let me see. It's in the book of Acts. I can see. Um, let me see if I can find it. I don't know. I may not be able to find it today. Let's see.
It's in the book of Acts. Um, can't remember where it might be. Oh, look at God. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 16. Acts 16, 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the, in the stocks. What we see happening in that particular text is that the power of God, once it had hit that girl, and the girl was no longer of use, her divination gone, she's no longer of use, she can no longer make her people her 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 handlers, her pimps, call it a spade a spade, could no longer make the money. And by disrupting their cash flow, they got annoyed, greatly annoyed, and dragged them into the streets and accused them of of causing people to not follow the practices and the customs of their land. So anytime our faith is disrupting the order in which our culture is living in. It's going to be met with opposition because we are literally disrupting sometimes the very livelihoods of some people by virtue of showing them a better way, showing them the way, showing them Yahweh. You know, if we want to keep going with that way metaphor. And so... That's the persecution that we that we can sometimes deal with, where when we are starting to really reshape culture, really shake things up, really make people upset, really disrupt the way things are in favor of a better way, the way Christ himself, people get upset about that thing. They get really upset because we're disrupting their way of being. And whenever we brush up against world economies, when we brush up against world laws, when we brush up against world cultures, come on, even in our churches sometimes, when we, when we realize that the God that we're worshiping would not endorse some of the stuff that we do in church, and we start bucking up against that, we are met with opposition. Because people love the way things are. And they do not want things to change. We see it in American culture now, 
even without putting we even without putting faith on it you know whenever you know we you know see that things are shifting and things are changing and things are growing the people who are so used to the status quo being in their favor they get upset they get frustrated and as a result they tend to change things around or persecute things or push things so that they can keep things the way they've always been in their favor and some of these people claim to be Christians, but they would rather keep things the same so that their bottom line is not affected or enhanced rather than allow their way of being to be disrupted for the sake of helping somebody else. It's always a wonder that you that you have people who have that you have like what what is like seven people have half of the world's, you know, economy that they have half of the world's money, that their value is half of the world's, and yet they would much rather buy another yacht than to give money in a place that it actually is needed. The, the Call a spade a spade. The Flint water crisis, one person can solve that by just giving the money to the city and being done with it. It could be dealt with in a month. Get all the things they need replaced. Get all the pipes they need replaced. Have clean drinking water going through that city today if they wanted to. But rather, they'd rather put their money someplace where they know it's going to make them money and use situations and to get photo ops rather than actually help somebody that's in need. But again, if we buck up against that system with whether it be Christ or whether it be anything else, now all of a sudden, oh, you're disrupting the flow. You're disrupting the peace. You're and so now they got to find a way to accuse them. That's all they did was get the spirit out this girl. The girl's no longer of use to them. And so now we got to shame them for practicing their faith, which we all practice in all sorts of how faiths in, in, the, in the city of Rome or in the country of Rome, but because their practice disrupted my flow, now I, I need them thrown in jail while I go find somebody else who's got some divination powers because I need to get, I need to get my, my cash flow back. And so again, saying all that to say, that's what persecution looks like. When in our worship to God, we are being, you know, mishandled, mistreated, ostracized, criticized, pushed, pushed out, by virtue of us worshiping God in a way that disrupts the system, disrupts a person's way of being, disrupts a, 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 a people's way of being. That's what persecution looks like. It's not worshiping a false God out of fear. No, it's trying to get us to stop worshiping God out of fear. Maybe if I beat them enough times or I jail them enough times or I, you know, criticize them enough times or I push them to the fray enough times, they'll stop worshiping God. But no, if we if we notice in our word, the more they were persecuted, the more they worship. That should be our heart's posture. You take everything away from me. You can take my you can even take my life. But if you take my life, I get to be with the Lord. So I'm good whether I'm here or whether I'm gone. I'm with the Lord. So what can you do? Death, where is your sting? I ain't scared of you. I ain't scared of death. What? I get to be with the Lord. What do you mean? What are you talking about? I ain't worried about this. And so again, that's the type of faith that we have. And that's the type of persecution that we face. Whether it be a persecution of words or a persecution of wills or an actual physical persecution. 
you know, in some way, shape, or form, that is what we're dealing with. It's not worshiping a false god out of fear. That's not that's not persecution. Persecution is worshiping God and then being, you know, ostracized in some type of way in an attempt to fear us out of worshiping God. And so we have to, again, always be careful and mindful that there are people in this world who do not want us to believe in God. They, they, they don't want us to believe in him for various reasons. And sometimes those reasons include be, because in worshiping God and teaching others to do the same, it's going to mess with their bottom line. It's going to mess with the flow of the culture. It's going to mess with the way things are. <clears throat> when I was pastoring um, a church um, a few years ago, um, we were in the, in the subject, um, we were in the, um, the book of second Corinthians and I prayed to God so many times, like, God, I know this church is not ready to hear this word. Why are you sending me here? And he was like, because I need you to go there. I just, I need you to go there. And I was like, I really don't want to go there with these people. Cause I already know it, it's going to be, it's going to be the end of me. And he was like, so who are you going to serve? You're going to serve them. You're going to serve me. I said, fine, I will serve you. And in the book of second Corinthians, it talks about how, you know, how we are to cheerfully give to the church. Um, and nowhere in the New Testament scriptures do we hear anything about the tithing system being something that we have to ascribe to. And so sure enough, you know, I, I, I didn't say anything about tithing. All I said was God challenges us to give more than what we are, you know, than what some of us give. Because some of us are not giving in the way that God tells us to give. For those who don't have, they're never supposed to lack. For those who do, they're supposed to give so that everyone has. And that's the way that God prescribes us to give to the church. And so, not out here trying to get your money, but whatever God compels on your heart to give, that's what you give. Sure enough, in Bible study, you know, that disrupted the deacons. That disrupted the cash flow. Because now we're out here saying, oh, you don't have to give 10%. You can give whatever you want to give. And that's not what I said. I said, God compels each and every one of us to give something. Whatever that thing is, that's between you and God. But don't not follow God and what he's telling you to give. Because sometimes God may compel you to give 90% this week. That's God's work. That's not my work. I don't know what he told you to do. He may tell you to give 5% this week. That's not my place to tell you what God told you to do, but you know what he told you to do. So if he tells you to give five, you give five cheerfully in the name of the Lord. If he tells you to give 95, 100% of whatever you made this week, you put it in that bucket and you thank God and praise God for it. But I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not out here going to be like, you know, so, get, so you know, we got, we, uh, you know, God has put it in my spirit that somebody in this church is supposed to give all of their check today. Give it in the name of the Lord. That, I'm not about to do that because that my word don't tell me to do that. My word don't say that. The, the, the scriptures don't say that. The scriptures say whatever God compels your heart to give, that's what you give. But because it disrupted the cash flow, a whole host of people in that church lost their minds. Oh my God, you're not preaching Christian principles. What about Malachi chapter three? What about the Melchizedek? And what about all of that? What about when Abraham gave 10%? Scripture says that God compelled them to give. And he compelled them to give, compelled them to give a specific way. 
Here is Paul in the New Testament, post-Christ, Christ being the final tithe that was paid according to Hebrews. If you go into Hebrews, he says he was the final tithe that was paid for us. As a result, Paul then says, give, just give. That's all he's asking. He just give. Whatever God compels your heart to do, that's what you do. Don't give grudgingly. You got a lot of people who are giving 10%, but they're giving it grudgingly. That God don't bless that. God's not going to bless that. Because they're giving 10% according to the rule, but their heart's posture is not in this. And if we can do, whew, we can do much more with 5% given with a cheerful heart than we can give 10% grudgingly. Because our heart's posture is what God is looking after. He's not looking at the amount you give. He's looking at, are you going to worship me? Are you going to serve me? And if I tell you to do something, are you going to do it? If I'm, tr if I'm asking you to trust me and I ask and, and, I'm, and, and you say you trust me, are you going to give like I asked you to give today? I'm talking about today, not talking about yesterday, not talking about tomorrow, I'm talking about today. What I'm telling you to give today, are you going to give that? But because it disrupted the flow, the, the money flow. Oh, Pastor, I think we need to call you in because, um, you know, we're not you're not teaching according to, to Christian precepts. Your your Christian teachings are not your 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 teachings are not Christian. You know, your values are not Christian, and so we think we need to call you in, and and we're gonna have a vote. You know, to 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 say you know whether or not you know you need to remain as pastor of the church. It disrupted the cash flow. No longer worried about the soul. It's can we can we keep the money going? So again, I'm saying all that to say, that's what persecution looks like. When, because of our faith, people are now pushing, ostracizing, criticizing, you know, denouncing, you know, pushing us up against us as a result of the word. Now again, that persecution is nothing compared to being put in jail. Like, thank God I wasn't put in jail or nothing, you know. You know, thank God, you know, when nobody trying to, you know, trying to beat the house down or nothing like that. That, you know, so again, I, I dare not compare myself to what Paul and Peter and James and all those boys go through or what the people in China are going through right now, what the people in Ethiopia have gone through in times, what people in Egypt have gone through where they were, you know, publicly executed, had their heads be, you know, chopped off, you know, for their faith. Like, I ain't going through nothing compared to them. So I dare not, you know, trivialize what I, what they're going through by talking about me going through some persecution. All they did was, was, um, force me out of a church. What? I ain't worried about that. They forced me out of a church. Doesn't matter. The word still stands. I'm still a believer in God. They can't take my soul. So I'm good. So again, but at the end of the day, that's what persecution looks like. When for standing up for righteousness... People are disrupted, and as a result of the disruption, they then attack in an attempt to get us to back down. Because that's what they wanted from me. They were like, maybe if we can scare him, we'll get him to backpedal and say, tithe, tithe, tithe. No, my Bible says give. And sometimes he's asking for 11%, 12%. 15%, 25%, but that's between you and God. That's not between God and me. That's between you and God. So whatever he's telling you to give, and I won't back down from that. You know, probably some people in the chat, what about this and what about that? At the end of the day, scripture tells me two things. 
One, Christ paid the final tithe for all of us. And two, give. As God compels your heart to do so. And now don't back down from that. Because that's what the word tells me. And that's what Christ has done for us. It's again, the problem being we're not looking at the gospel. But I'm, di I'm, di I'm, I'm digressing. The point is, that's what persecution looks like. And so don't be afraid or ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Persecution is an attempt to try to get you to, to worship a false god. Trying to get you to do that. Trying to get you to denounce your God. So again, stay firm. Stand firm on what you believe in. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Thank you all so much for the 3,100 likes here on um, our live show today. Uh, we're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you've missed any part of this show, you can go to Spotify and soon iTunes or Apple Podcasts and catch up on any episode that you may have missed of this show since its inception. Every episode is on Spotify right now, and soon we will also be on Apple Podcasts. As soon as they send me the email, every last episode will be uploaded to it. And so we thank you so much. And again, if you feel like you've missed any part of the show, you can feel free to follow us, um, subscribe to um, the uh, to the to the podcast on Spotify. So that way you are alerted for every new episode that comes on. We try to upload those episodes immediately after the end of every show. Um, and so feel free to go to that um to where you get your favorite podcast and listen to the True Gospel Morning Show at your pleasure. Um, and also, uh, if you are on the show and um, you have any questions, comments, or concerns that we're not able to get to during the live, uh, feel free to stay on after 8 o'clock. I usually try to go through the final questions of the day um, during our overtime. And so, um, so don't hesitate to drop in the comment box and stay on after the 8 o'clock and hang out with us a little bit longer as we go through um, our morning show overtime and um, have those questions answered there. Let's scroll through some more of these comments. See what's going on down in the comment box below. Let's see. Um, I do not remember anymore what the verse was I was looking for at this point. Um, let's see. Conservative convict says seven years clean, did ten years in prison, now free, off parole. All thanks to God's love for me. Dang right, woo woo! Happy for you, man. Happy for you. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. We we celebrate that today. Um, SPC Invest says people say I'm poor financially because I don't pay 10%. Um, I don't, again, I don't prescribe to that. I don't prescribe to that. Um, and you know, and people, the people will have a reason, um, for people to say, um, that, you know, oh, the reason why you're not blessed is because you're not giving 10% to your church. The reason that you're not this is because you're not, you're not giving 10% to your church. The reason why you're not healthy is because you're not giving 10% to your church. They always want to use that as a tactic. And some, again, this is a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing. 
You know, we are brought up in these cultures. And 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 so to try I, I didn't know we were going here today, but here we go. Um this is again, it's a cultural thing. The tithing system as we know it today in, in today's churches was a was brought from the Catholic Church in that at a period of in a period of time where the church was booming before the Reformation, way before the Reformation, I'm talking about between like the years 500 and maybe like a thousand, the, the churches were booming in terms of their ability to acquire land, um, building churches, building hospitals, building schools, like the church was on it. Like they were, they were literally changing the landscape of the world. You know, Christianity was on and popping. And so in an attempt to try to make money off of the land that was being, you know, secured by these churches, the government systems, particularly Rome, but also in others, went to the churches, went to the church leaders and said, we need y'all start paying taxes on this land because, um... Yeah, y'all got too much land and y'all ain't paying us a dime for it. And so um, we need y'all to start paying taxes on this land that y'all got. And these churches ain't got no money. They like, what you mean pay taxes? We, we ain't been paying taxes for years. What you mean we got to pay taxes now? And so the government got in cahoots with a lot of church leaders and said, you know, we'll pay y'all and allow y'all to have seats of government if you can pay these 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 fees that we're asking for the land that y'all got and so the churches then got together and said we need to develop a way to get money to pay off these taxes and put a little bit under our under us so that way we can keep that we can keep this party going and so they instituted a tithing system and ripped apart scriptures that hadn't been used for for centuries to get people to start paying money to the church so the churches could then pay off the taxes that were owed for the land that they sat on. And over time, that became the norm of the culture of the churches that we now see today. The problem with us as Christians in a lot of these church cultures is that we don't look far enough into our history to figure out why we do what we do. Instead, we only look as far back as our own church history in terms of church being here for 75 years. This is 75th anniversary. We only look 75 years. We only look as far back as 1865 in American culture. We don't know what happened in 300 AD. We don't know what happened in 200 AD. We don't know what happened in 700 AD. We don't know any of that stuff. We don't learn any of that stuff. We don't read any of that stuff. And if we do, we dare not say it to the people in our congregations because then they're going to stop paying the monies. They're going to stop giving the monies. When God is telling us, I don't want you to stop giving money. I just want you to just give whatever your heart is compelled to give. But these systems were built as a means of trying to pay stuff off. And that's why I said what I said before. Just tell people the truth. We need y'all to pay, give the church some money so we can pay these bills. That's it. Like, just be honest. Please give so that we can pay these bills. 
Whatever God compels your heart to give, give it. You're not giving it to the Lord as if this is your, your path to blessing. There are too many freaking CEOs in the world today who do not have a relationship with the Lord who are making billions, billions of dollars. They are blessed according to how Christians look at being blessed. But they ain't got a relationship with the Lord. Meanwhile, you got a person who's been in the church for 50 years paying tithes faithfully, but they're still a janitor at the school. Is he not blessed? Is she not blessed? You see what I'm saying? And so people can say, yeah, I'm not financially well off because I'm not giving 10%. Well, how about the CEO who ain't never stepped inside of a church? Never has never given his life to Christ, never given his life to the Lord, but is making billions by blinking. Made another billion, made another billion, ain't got a relationship with the Lord. Is he more blessed than the person who is faithful to God? No, because being blessed is not about how much you have. Being blessed is about whose you are. And who we possess. That's what blessing is. God will compel us to give. And yes, God is a faithful God. If we ask, he shall give, he'll give it to us if it's in his will for us to have it. But you, you giving to the church is not the prerequisite to open up the windows of heaven and have blessings poured out to you. We misinterpret Malachi chapter, um, chapter 3 all the time. All the time. Because we want people to give to the church instead of just being honest and saying, listen, we got these bills. This is a rundown of our bills. Can y'all give so we can pay these bills? If you if you want this church to continue, if you want this church to move forward, if you like, the ch like where we're at and like what we're doing, please give so that way we can keep this church thing going. Just be honest with people. Be honest with them. But again, the culture has been set up to where people don't even look far back enough in their history to, to figure out, oh, that ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. It has everything to do with a government system that saw that these churches were taking up all this land and they weren't getting no money from that. And so they created a system to which the government would get the money from the land that they were on. And the pastors and the priests will get a little bit on the side and get seats on, you know, on, um, on boards of the city. And as a result, created a system that took from people in an attempt to make themselves rich and to pay off stuff. And all they really needed to do was just be honest and say, listen, government said we got to pay the money on these, on, we got to pay taxes on this land. And so please give so we can pay these taxes off so we can keep this church going. Just be honest. You didn't have to rip scripture and try to motivate people to then give because God's going to bless you real good. But again, that's what we as people do. And when we teach truth, when we speak truth to power, when we know our history, when we know our word, when, we, when these things are spiritually discerned and revealed to us and we tell people the truth, we're bucking up against systems. Systems that are meant to keep people shackled and bound rather than set them free.
And I don't know about you, but freedom sounds pretty dang good. And so again, you know, people may say that you're not financially well off because you're not giving 10%. No, that's probably not why you're not financially. That's probably not why you're financially, why you're not financially well off. You're, 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 what's pray to God and ask God, what can I do to put myself in position to be better off? Because sometimes it may just be that you're not a good steward of your money. Sometimes it may be that we're trying to live well above our means. So we don't have the money to save or invest or to do those certain things because we're spending it on things we don't need, spending on things we don't have to have right now. We, get, we don't have delayed gratification down pat. And so we want to spend money today, want to get it today, Amazon today, Walmart.com today, you know, Sheen today. Timu today, eBay today. Like we want, we want, we want to accumulate stuff so badly right now that we can't wait. I gotta have it now. I gotta get it today. I gotta get it now. I gotta have it today. God saying you want to be better off financially. Be a better steward of your money. Live within your means. Put some away. That's how you can become more financially well off, look at what you're spending your money on because what you're spending your money on may be an indication of what you're really worshiping, what you're really serving, who's really got your heart, who's really got your attention, right? And so again, knowing that and teaching it bucks up against systems, systems that are designed to keep us bound for the sake of the top, staying at the top. But that's why we worship a God who says, don't be afraid to tell people the truth. If they, if they, if they, per if they persecuted Jesus, they put Jesus on the cross. What do you think they're going to do to you when you speak the truth? Again, love my Christian brothers and sisters. And if y'all want to tithe, tithe all day. Nobody's stopping you. But let that be between you and the Lord. Not you, the Lord, and then half the church because you, because you're, that's how God meant it to be. Because he didn't. He didn't. Not according to the scriptures. And certainly not according to church history. But you need to know your history. So you can tell people, that ain't the way it's supposed to be. That's not. But how will they know? If you don't study, you're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Thank you so much for the 3,400 likes. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're certainly grateful for all of you who are on the live with us today. Um, CA4 says to please pray for us. And if anyone is led, please bless us with a meal. New single mom with four. Um, um, with um left with nothing um and so you guys got our cash app down there if you feel compelled to give please give to that um um let's see um theism is back with us um let's see is there a book or somewhere i can go read about the history of that that with the cats yes there is um 
Um, if you're still on, there is a book. It's called Church History. Um, is the first one. Church History by Bruce Shelley. Um, and then, um, I don't know. I don't think I have the hardback version of it. I don't see it. So, no. Um, give me one second to look it up. The, 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 one, the one that you need to read. The one that you need to read. Um, hold on. Pagan. Pagan Christianity by Frank Vola and George Barna. Um, Pagan Christianity by Frank Vola um, and George Barna. Those two books, that in church his history, will show you where everything that we do came from. Everything that we do in the scriptures, every, no, everything that we do in our churches today, where are the roots? Where are the origins? Most of what we do did not come from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. None of that. Most of the stuff that we do in our churches today what is a derivative of the Catholic Church. Just call them spade a spade. Most of what we do today is a derivative of the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church is not the church of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, um, Ignatius, um, er, um, not Aristotle, um, Augustine, um, Horatius. None of them were worshiping God the way that we do today. None of them. But if we don't look far back enough in our history, we won't know that. We just assume this the way it's always been. But it wasn't. We've gone through 2,000 years of church history, but we only know the past 50 of our own individual churches. So again, church history by, I think, is it Bruce Shelley? Hold on. Um, church history. Yeah, church, uh, yeah, church history in plain language by Bruce Shelley. And then Pagan Christianity by um, Frank Vola, V-I-O-L-A. Matter of fact, let me do this real quick. Let me do this. Um, let me just type it up in here. Um, church history by Bruce Shelley. Uh-oh. Um, and then... Pagan Christianity by Frank Viola and George Barna. Like so if you so if you read those books, um if you go get those books, um that will help you to um to unpack our own church history. And again, with that in view, <laughs> it opens the door to our freedom, y'all. Like, we think that we have to worship God this way because it's the way that our church worships him. No, you don't. You don't. Not everything that we do is God. Not everything we do came from God. But if we don't know our history we can't know how God has set us free, has taken the taken the chains off of us 
and 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 get away from the limitedness that he's put that that people try to place us in 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 some of these churches. Again, it's not all churches. It's not not all people are out here trying to get your money. Not everybody out here is trying to make you feel like you if you don't give to God, then you know God ain't gonna give you blessing. Not every church is teaching that. It's hard to find where these churches at, but not every church is teaching that. And so there's a lot of good gospel-centered churches that teach giving in a way that is pleasing and God-honoring. Um, and so I'm not out here trying to say, don't go to church. No, nah, just find you a good gospel-centered church, um, you know, and if you can't find one, you feel free to always watch us online. You know, we just be sitting here in the house, my wife and I, and just be, you know, um, singing the songs, which, you know, encouraging our daughters to come in and, you know, sit with us every now and then. Um, but, you know, you always come and worship with us, um, even though it'll be online. Um, but again, find you a good gospel-centered church, good Jesus-centered church. Um, that, you know, and, 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 and even if they are teaching, you know, some faulty, some faulty doctrine on giving, you know what God told you to do. Don't even, so don't even let them compel you to give in a different way. And if they come talking to you some smack, hit them with some history, hit them with some, hit them with some truth and love them, hit them with some truth and love them. Like we do with the unbelievers here. What do we say? God loves you and wants a relationship with you. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. So even if you're in a church where they teach tithe, tithe, tithe all day, between you and the Lord, between you and the Lord, and let no one try to try to say you're blocking your blessings. Whatever God has for me is for me, and ain't no ain't can't no man in on earth, can't no demon in hell nor angel keep that from me if the Lord says it's mine. So I'm not. So I ain't studying anything anybody's got to say. What God has for me is for me. And he's going to give it to me out of the kindness of his heart. It's not coming because I did anything. That ooh, We got to get out of this mindset that I'm doing something in order to open up the windows of heaven for God to bless me. Get out of God's way. Get out of God's work. Do what you need to do in order to make things happen in your life without question. But don't do it without the Lord. Glorify God. Acknowledge God in all your ways. Be there for God in all your ways. But don't let people tell you how to give. Don't let pastors tell you how to give. Not when the Lord's already told you. Just give. Listen to me. Hear me. Be in communion with me. And give as your heart, as I'm compelling your heart to. Again, if it's 5%, give 5% for the glory of God. If it's 25%, Give 25% to the glory of God. If it's your whole paycheck, give your whole paycheck for the glory of God. But that's between you and God, not you and pastor, not you and deacon, not you and the finance committee. That, that's what they, they got those envelopes, those tithing envelopes. If you put your name on, don't put your name on that. Don't put your name on that. Because what is, what is it their business for them to know what you and the Lord came to agreement with? Don't put your name on no tithing envelope. It's for a tax write-off. So you paying you paying tithes so you can get a tax write-off at the end of the year? That don't sound that don't sound godly. Now that's the only reason why you giving is so that you can get a tax write-off at the end of the year and get that money back from the government. That don't sound that that doesn't sound a little bit manipulative to me. So again, don't don't let people trick you into thinking you have to give something that you don't. That's between you and the Lord. 
That's between you and God. And again, so again, if even if you're at a church that teaches tithing, that teaches you got to get 10%, don't let those people manipulate you into thinking that you do because you don't. That system was built over a millennia ago in an attempt to get people to pay taxes off of the land. And if people would just be honest about that, then let God move on the hearts of those who, it, who, who will be moved and get stuff paid off, get stuff taken care of. Be open and honest rather than manipulative. God's going to bless you real good if you pay your tithes. Look at me. I'm healthy. I'm wealthy. I'm fine. God said that he will give us over to a reprobated mind and will set it up to where we think that because we won't get out of God's way and let him actually free us up. So again, just be careful that you don't allow people to decide to allow you to do things that in his word ain't even outlined. That's why I tell to the unbelievers all the time, you know, unless you have a relationship with the Lord, you're not going to understand what we're saying. And a lot of times people don't want to have a relationship with the Lord because of what they see. And that's why, you know, here at the True Gospel Morning Show, we try to tell y'all, give us a chance. Like, get off of your high horse for a second. And just give us a chance to spit truth and knowledge to you instead of trying to pontificate on what you believe to be Christianity for real, for real, and let us spit some truth to you. Because I promise you, we're here to set people free. We The reason why this is called the true gospel is because there's a lot of bad gospels out there. A lot of false gospels out there that are, that are keeping people bound. And we out here trying to set people free. And so that's why, again, we tell people, instead of trying to pontificate on what you think you know about Christ and Christianity, take a, sit, take a seat and relax. Chill out for a minute. Stop talking for a minute. Stop pontificating for a minute. And stop believing that I'm going to win the argument today and just sit back and listen. Because we're trying to tell y'all some stuff. If, if, you, if, you will, if you're willing to actually sit down and listen instead of trying to prove how right you are. Because again, like I said, at the end of the day, what you probably going to get out of me is, you right, you right, you got it, buddy. You got it. And yet, you keep coming back. You right, buddy. You got it, but you keep coming back. And so again, those are the two books. Again, I, I went off on the deep end again. Those are the two books. Um, Bruce Shelley's Church History and Frank Vola. And um, I'm probably saying his name on probably Frank Viola um, and um, and George Barna's Pagan Christianity. Those will give you a robust history of why we've been doing what we've been doing in the church and help us to unpack and understand whether or not those things that we're doing are truly biblical or whether they're just practices that we've been that have been handed down to us and we never um never investigated, never questioned, because the question is to bring about possible persecution. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Excuse me. Um, we're certainly grateful for um, for you guys for giving us this opportunity um, to, get, to be able to speak truth and knowledge to you guys. Um, we're certainly grateful for this opportunity to be able to um, to give you guys um, this, you know, truth on today. Um, and I did not know we were going to go off on that tangent today, but I'm grateful nonetheless because it just, again, gives us opportunity to know more about the Lord. Thank you for the 4,600 likes you guys have given to us thus far. Um, 
And us again, certainly grateful for you guys and giving us this opportunity to be able to share this truth and this knowledge with y'all. Um, Lucianne Brown asks, this is kind of off topic, but do you have any good Christian psychology books that combine topics? Um, let me see if I got anything up here. Um... I think I got two of them. Let's see where they at. Um, I don't think I have one that's specific to that subject outside of um um the one that I mentioned yesterday, um, and let me flip the camera around so you guys can see it. Um, Recovering Redemption. Um, this book was actually written with a um, with a therapist, um, and so this is actually um, um, rooted in the gospel, um, but applies um, some therapeutic principles to um, to. The, the the path of sanctification. Um, so this is a really good one. And then um, um, so I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Enneagram before, um, but the Enneagram is a really good um, personality test. Probably one of the best personality type systems that I've ever worked with as a Christian um, and as a therapist. Um, it really does a good job of being able to get us to the roots of why we do what we do um, and begins to kind of dive into some EMDR um, trauma informed care. Um, and so, um, and so there's these three books that I have on the Enneagram, um, the personality type system and the way to um to to the way to forward to peace um this one's called the wisdom of the enneagram um and in this book um they basically talk about both psychology and um and our spirituality um and so by using the 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 personality type system and figuring out where you um more 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 where more likely you land it helps you to understand the roots of your traumas and your issues and your problems and then how to give those things to God and in giving them to God um allowing him to be the source of the uh, solutions to our desires so for instance if you're desiring validation it talks about God being your validation you know if you're looking for um relate if you're looking for um if you're looking for autonomy it's telling us that god gives us an identity gives us a purpose gives us a sense of being and belonging if we're looking for um you know um good times god says you know allow me to show you how to have a good time in a way that honors me that that glorifies me if you're looking for wisdom god is the treasure trove of all wisdom and knowledge and so dive into me and seek and um and seek me and so again um does a really good job of um and very robust um this one is called spiritual rhythms for the enneagram 
um, this book is actually a derivative of the Enneagram itself. And so I don't really ascribe to it as much because it takes the, um, it takes the Enneagram and then warps it. And so it doesn't really follow what I, um, what I know about the Enneagram. Um, but it is steeped in some scripture and steeped in truth. Um, they really, they, they, they really apply the gospel to the Enneagram in this book. And then, um, this book itself says, says it all. Let me see if I can get the brightness to come down on it. There we go. It literally says it is a Christ centered Enneagram approach, um, becoming aware of your eternal, of your internal world. So this is literally the Enneagram, but, but steeped in some Jesus. And so, um, and so again, that would be the, the one that I, the one that I've ascribed the most to. Um, I don't think I have anything else in here that like, that's like centered in Jesus like that. Um, but those are the things that I've ascribed the most to. Um, in terms of Christianity and psychology being put together. Um, if you have ever studied the Enneagram before, um, it again does a really good job of helping us to understand what it is that we are um, that we are dealing with internally. Um, and once we're able to get to the roots of what we're dealing with internally, we're then able to bring those things to God and ask God to be the thing that we need so that we're no longer seeking the world or seeking ourselves or whatever the case is in an attempt to try to be, um, or to gain whatever it is that we're looking for. Um, and so what I might do, um, probably either maybe next week or the week after is to take us through a deep dive of the Enneagram, um, not so that I can, you know, get y'all to ascribe to the Enneagram, like that's not my intention, um, but to show you how using the Enneagram um, helped me personally to know what to bring to the cross. Because uh, again, without with, knowing, going, having gone to therapy, having figured out my demons and figured out my issues, I knew what to bring to Jesus. And once I knew what to bring to Jesus, I then knew what to ask of Christ to get to to help me to know that I already have, like we talked about in the beginning, where our identity is in Christ. He's already given us everything that we need in him. And so help me to remember that and to tap into that. So that way I'm no longer seeking outside of him for the things that I need um, while simultaneously being able to be in a place where I can ask for the things that I want from people um, without pouring from an empty cup. I mean, instead pouring from a full cup. Um, so yeah. Um, you guys are watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you guys so much for the 4,800 likes that we received so far. See, uh, we, might, we might get to 5,000 today. Y'all doing all right today. I really do great. I'm really grateful for y'all for, um, for being on the show and by, um, you know, helping us today. Um, and, you know, just allowing us to kind of just be in y'all's lives on this morning. Certainly grateful for each and every one of y'all. Um, and so, um, grateful, um, even grateful to, uh, OMG Rab who said Christian forged historical documents and records. That's what's up, man. You got it. You right. We sure did. Christian sure did. Now what? They did it. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you for telling us that. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. So, um, again, um, Thank y'all so, so much again for the likes. Let me go through these comments one last time. Uh, might be a time for us to um, get up out of here. Let's see. Sh 
Theism says Christianity has always found itself near despotic kings in their ill-gotten coffers. Um, we can say that about any religion. We can say that about any creed, any doctrine, any practice. Um, they've always found a way to be warped and twisted in some type of way by somebody. Uh, we talked about this the other day where some people will take the word of God, they'll take it and twist it and warp it in order to advance their own agendas. But they'll take anything, anything that's meant to be good and twist it and warp it to become something that it was never meant to be. Um, and so so it just it, it's very disheartening to know that that's the case. But again, that's how people are. You know, people at the end of the day are going to be people and they're going to, you know, and sometimes with their finite thinking and their fickle mindedness are going to do what they feel they need to do or want to do and say what they need to say or want to say in an attempt to get people to give them what to get to get people to give them what they want. And again, if we're not careful, they will deceive even the very elect. They will they will, they will make us believe that, you know, that they're doing the will of God. And if we don't know our own word for ourselves, if we don't know the truth for ourselves, if we're not studying it for ourselves, then we will be deceived. And so that's why again I tell us here uh, the true gospel dig into your word man dig into your word get to know your god get to know the character and the nature of your god because at the end of the day if you if you know what you know no one can take that from you if the spirit of god gives you what he gives you no one can take that from you that's why i said you know don't get in arguments with people because they only know what they know and unless and until someone shows them something different and they're willing to listen and be open and and have a and have a real conversation rather than just wanting to get in the squabbles and defend turf, then you know, we can't we we can't make people see what they don't want to see. We can't make people believe what they don't want to believe. We can't do God's job and change people's hearts. All we can do is present them with the truth. But we have to be willing to do our due diligence and seek the truth for ourselves. Search these scriptures. Search our history. Like, we got to be willing to do that, to do that work and not let the pastor or the deacons or the teachers do that work. We can't let them be the only ones who do that because the God, the God we serve gives us the same Holy Spirit that he gave them. They didn't get a special dispensation of the Holy Spirit. They got the same spirit we got. We got the same Holy Ghost that we got. We got the same Holy Spirit living inside of us that they have living in them. So there's no special dispensation of the, of the Holy Spirit that's endowed on anybody. Everybody's got the same Holy Spirit. We just got to tap into it. We got we to gotta, we gotta lean into it. We got to bathe in it. You know what I'm saying? A lot of us, our faith in God is so, is so shallow it's so shallow because we won't lean in. We won't dive in. The, the stuff that I'm telling y'all today, it ain't rocket science. I went and read some books. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I just read some books. It, it ain't nothing special. But the Holy Spirit leading and guiding reveals truth. So again, I'm not saying that we want to become better than pastors. This is not what I'm saying. There is no better. No, I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. I just read some books. That's all I did. I read some books. I read some books. 
on some with some with some people who are trusted, faithful believers in Jesus Christ. I didn't say they were perfect, but they're faithful. And they're faithful to dig into our history so that we, the believers, can know for ourselves this is what it's about. And so again, well, I'm not are we discounting what uh, what now listen, some of these some of these preachers and pastors, they're preaching heresies, fallacies and lies, straight up. And you know, and I'm not out there in the call-out game per se to be like, you're lying, and making TikTok videos about you're lying. Like I'm trying to get out that I got out that game. But, you know, we gotta be we gotta be able to call it out based on what we know to be true. If it don't sound right, search it. Seek it out. Because at the end of the day, unless we seek it out, we're going to keep following. We're going to be the blind following the blind. And I don't want to follow blind. I want to follow Jesus. The one who sees. The one who knows. The one who is every, who is everything for us. I want to follow the light. I want to be the light and follow the light. So that the light that shines in me is a direct is a direct correlation and direct result of the light that I'm following. And so we as believers... This stuff ain't rocket science. It's not. It's, 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 it's the, the great mysteries that God has for us, they are very plain. All we got to do is go look for it. Seek out trusted sources. Trusted, faithful men and women of God who have done their due diligence for the sake of the kingdom. But at the end of the day, that's what we're, that's what we're here to do. To become more like Jesus and to be pointed in the direction of Jesus so that Jesus can mold and shape us into his image from one degree of glory to the next. Knowing in, in the comfort of knowing that we have a heavenly home and that that is what we are striving for and striving to. Listen, I got to get out of here, but I want to thank you guys so much for the 5,000 likes that we received today. I want to thank you for every follow. Thank you for every share. Thank you for every comment. Thank you for every viewer that we've had on today. Um, I want to thank the person who told me that my mic wasn't on this morning. Like, you know, I got, I got to get back in my rhythm. I don't know how, how falls out this rhythm. It's the second day I started the, um, live without the mic being on. So I'm going to try to get back in that rhythm, make sure everything is working and popping. Make me a little list, my little checklist. What is everything ready to go? Um, but again, I thank y'all so, so much from the bottom of my heart for everything that y'all have done today. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the likes. Thank you for the shares. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for watching. Um, and I hope that this has been helpful and beneficial to your souls in a mighty and powerful way. As always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.